A Focus Summary of Chapters 6 through 8 of Pride and Prejudice. The Bingley sisters soon exchange visits with the Bennets, and though they find Mrs. Bennet intolerable and the younger Bennet sisters not worth speaking to, they express a desire to be better acquainted with the two eldest. Jane is gratified by this attention, but Elizabeth thinks them supercilious and cannot like them. It had become increasingly evident that Mr. Bingley admired Jane, and, at least to Lizzie, that Jane returned the feeling, though Jane was guarded in her expression. When, one day, Lizzie mentions with pleasure the composure of her sister's temper, Charlotte warns that it can be a disadvantage. She observes that few of us can love freely without encouragement, and she says Jane would do better to show more affection than she feels. The conversation that ensues reveals the difference in the two friends' views on marriage. Elizabeth believes a woman ought not to behave in a manner inconsistent with her nature for the sake of securing a husband, and she thinks she should be sure of the reasonableness of her own regard before she settles on a particular prospect. Charlotte, by contrast, believes that when a woman is partial to a man, she must make every effort to capture his attention— after which she can enjoy the leisure of falling in love. In her view, happiness in marriage is a matter of chance, so the less you know about your partner's defects in advance, the better. Meanwhile, Elizabeth was far from suspecting that she was herself becoming an object of interest in the eyes of Mr. Darcy. Though he could see no good feature in her face, found asymmetries in her form, and thought her manners unrefined, he was mortified to discover how much he enjoyed her intelligent eyes, pleasing figure, and easy playfulness. Elizabeth is therefore perplexed when, at the next party, Darcy watches her with his satirical eye, and she determines to be impertinent to him. But when the opportunity comes, her impish impoliteness is matched by his own satiric wit. She is then cajoled by Charlotte into a performance at the piano, after which she is eagerly succeeded by her sister Mary, who is always impatient for display. When, at her younger sister's request, Mary plays some Scotch and Irish airs, the party-goers start to dance, while Mr. Darcy stands by watching in silent indignation. When Sir William comments to Darcy that dancing is one of the refinements of polished society, Darcy replies, that it is also popular in less polished societies, since any savage can dance. Thinking himself to be doing a gallant thing, Sir William calls out to Elizabeth to ask why she is not dancing. Then he presents her to Darcy as a very desirable partner, but before he can offer Darcy her hand, she pulls it away, saying she had no intention of dancing. With grave propriety, Darcy asks for the honor of her hand and when Sir William observes that it is no wonder he would want to dance with her, since who would object to such a partner? She can only smile archly at the recollection of Darcy's previous slight, and turn away. When Miss Bingley finds Darcy in complacent reflection, she claims to know just what he is thinking, how insupportable it is to spend time in this society with its insipid and self-important people. But Darcy says that on the contrary, he was meditating on the pleasure a pair of fine eyes can bestow on the face of a pretty woman. When she asks who is owed the credit of inspiring this reflection, she is astonished when he replies, Miss Elizabeth Bennet.
He maintains his composure when she sets to mocking him, wishing him joy with Elizabeth and remarking how delightful it will be to have such a charming mother-in-law at Pemberley. Because Mr. Bennet had only daughters, his estate was to be inherited by a distant relation, and his wife's fortune, though ample enough for her situation, could not compensate for the deficiency in his. Two or three times a week, the young Bennet ladies would walk a mile to Meryton, where they could pay their duty to their aunt and to the hat shop. The vacuous youngest, Catherine and Lydia, went the most often, to fill their idle hours with amusement and gossip. Their visits became more eager still when a militia regiment was stationed in the neighborhood. In their eyes, Bingley's fortune was worthless compared to the regimentals of an ensign. After listening one day to their effusions on the subject, Mr. Bennet coolly observes that he has become convinced they are the two silliest girls in the country. Mrs. Bennet protests that all their daughters are very clever, and that she would not object to some smart young colonel marrying one of them. Their conversation is cut short by the arrival of a letter from Netherfield for Miss Bennet. Mrs. Bennet's eyes sparkle as she urges Jane to make haste and read it. It is a note from Caroline Bingley, asking Jane to dine with her and her sister, and saying, to Mrs. Bennet's great disappointment, that the gentlemen will be out dining with the officers. Jane asks for the carriage, but Mrs. Bennet contrives the clever scheme of having her go on horseback, since it is likely to rain and she will be forced to stay the night. The next morning they receive a note from Jane saying she is unwell as a consequence of getting wet through, and that they have insisted she stay until she is better. Mr. Bennet mockingly consoles her that if Jane does die, it will have been in pursuit of Mr. Bingley, but Mrs. Bennet dismisses him for making a fuss over a trifling cold. Lizzie, genuinely concerned for Jane's well-being, resolves to walk the three miles to Netherfield so she can see her. She arrives at last with weary ankles, dirty stockings, and a face glowing from exercise, and is shown the breakfast parlor, where all but Jane are assembled. Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley are incredulous that she walked so far, in such weather, and by herself— and Elizabeth feels sure that their polite manner in receiving her conceals their real contempt. Mr. Bingley shows her kindness, and Mr. Hurst and Mr. Darcy say nothing at all, the latter divided between admiration of the glow her journey had given her and doubt about her judgment in making it. From her inquiries, she learns that Jane is not well, and she is taken to her immediately. Jane is feverish and weak and not equal to much conversation, so Elizabeth attends her in silence. After breakfast, they are joined again by Bingley's sisters, who show Jane so much kindness that Elizabeth begins to like them herself. The doctor comes, and after examining her, insists that she return to bed. That afternoon, Elizabeth feels obliged to go, but when Jane expresses reluctance to part with her, Miss Bingley invites her to stay the night, and Elizabeth happily consents. That night at dinner, Mr. Bingley inquires after Jane in a manner that displays sincere solicitude. But his sister's performance of feigned concern makes Lizzie feel her right not to like them is restored. After dinner, when Lizzie returns to Jane, the sisters begin abusing her behind her back. They declare her to have no manners, conversation, style, or beauty, 
and they gossip about her wild appearance that morning in scandalized terms. Mr. Bingley comes to her defense, saying that he thought she looked remarkably well when she came into the room, and that her willingness to walk showed a pleasing dedication to her sister. Miss Bingley seeks an ally in Mr. Darcy, and when she gets him to agree that he would not like to see his sister make such an exhibition, she is consoled. But she is disappointed when, to her whispered comment that this adventure must have affected his admiration of her fine eyes— He responds that, on the contrary, he found them to be brightened by the exercise. Mrs. Hurst then sets in on her family, saying that with such low connections, the Bennet girls have little chance of being well settled. Bingley says that the inferiority of their family makes the girls themselves no less agreeable, but Darcy agrees that it does lessen their chances of marrying men of consideration. Miss Bingley and Mrs. Hurst return to Jane's room and sit with her until they are summoned to coffee, but Lizzie stays by her side until she is comfortably asleep. Feeling obligated to make an appearance downstairs, she then goes into the drawing room, where she finds the whole party gambling at cards. She is invited to join them, but suspecting the stakes to be too high for her participation, she declines. Lizzie instead elects to read a book. The indolent Mr. Hurst is incredulous that she should prefer reading to cards. The amiable and unintellectual Bingley apologizes for the poverty of his collection. The duplicitous Miss Bingley tries to discredit Lizzie and Darcy's eyes by saying she likes nothing but books, and to ingratiate herself with him by praising the library at Pemberley. Her flattery then turns to the subject of Darcy's sister, whom she praises as being so accomplished for her age. The guileless Bingley marvels over how many women are accomplished, but Darcy disagrees, saying he knows only half a dozen women who deserve the term. In a transparent effort to paint a picture of herself, Miss Bingley lists the criteria by which a lady can be called accomplished, but Darcy puts her in her place when he adds that she must also have improved her mind by extensive reading. Rather than feeling flattered herself, Lizzie impudently declares that it is a wonder he knows any women who can be called accomplished, saying she herself has never seen such capacity, taste, application, and elegance united. Argument ensues, and soon afterward, Lizzie leaves the room. As soon as the door is closed, Miss Bingley criticizes her for the paltry device of recommending herself to the other sex by undervaluing her own. Mr. Darcy, for whose benefit this comment was intended, slyly calls her out for her hypocrisy, saying that undoubtedly there is meanness in all the arts ladies condescend to employ for captivation. Elizabeth joins them again, only to say that her sister was worse, and they agree that the doctor will be sent for in the morning.